Welcome to That's Rad Adventures in Life, Love, and Wedding Planning from the Pacific Northwest. I'm Rad, local wedding planner and owner of Rad Occasions, and this is the amazing Fantastical Rob. Hi. 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 How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, you know, feels like deja vu. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that like every day during a pandemic? Could be. It could also be because I made us restart this recording. Again. Again, because (laughs) I messed up in our intro, and that threw me off for the rest of it. But we're trying it again. Yeah. We're recording two episodes in a row, which never happens in a week, and I'm proud of us. I'm very proud of us. (laughs) I'm more proud of you. (laughs) I'm just here to, like, quip and, and add random comments. Well, that's what makes the show, doesn't it? That's why everyone tunes in. For my quips and comments? <laughs> I don't think so. They, they listen to you for the information. <laughs> They're slightly annoyed by me, but put up with me. Aw, I don't <laughs> think so. I'm kidding. I don't think so. I think everyone needs a little bit of humor in a Patricia. During a panorama? Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. And we're going to talk about this, because I'm, I'm annoyed with the government. Because I feel like they're taking another wedding season away from us slowly, but not actually telling us that they're taking it away from us. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's been a very drawn out, like, oh, we're going to give you some things, but then we're going to take them away. I know. And then the case count's going to spike, but everything's okay. Yeah, and I'm just, like, really confused because I'm like, do I tell people that they can have their wedding in June? Or do I tell them they should reschedule? It's so hard to say. Yeah. We need more to go on. That's what I say. And maybe a lockdown for like Vancouver and Fraser Health. Sorry for anyone who's listening (laughs) from there, but actually sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Because like they're the worst offenders. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well. I was just going to say that they probably got the densest population. So it spreads faster. Yeah. Especially with that variant. Higher uh, population population density. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. I got it. We're you good. got it? Yeah. Any more coffee? Yeah, probably. <laughs> this is season two, episode nine. And with this episode, we wanted to share some of the wonderful traditions from around the world we've learned about and helped coordinate for our couples over the years. The first one we're going to start off is with is tea ceremonies. And we've had Chinese and Vietnamese tea ceremonies over the years. And I was interested to see where they originated from. And they go back, like, really far. Like, really, really far. Yeah. Like, how far? There we go. I was (laughs) waiting for that. Like, 618 A.D.? I don't know. You've got the numbers. (laughs) I've got the numbers, but I forgot to write down like the BC or AD, but it's been a long, long time. Let's just put it that way. I would say it's probably BC. Okay. Sure. Um, Back in those days, tea used to symbolize um, more than just a union. It was also the faithfulness from a woman to her betrothed. I like that word. <laughs> Today, most people see the tea ceremony as a symbol of the family's welcoming the bride or the groom into the family, which I think is super cute. 
And the couple usually dresses in traditional wedding garments and they'll kneel before their elders and pillows, of course, and serve them tea with help of attendants, usually bridesmaids. I've also seen, um, like if their siblings involved, they'll also help out as well. And the parents and in-laws are usually the key recipients and sometimes relatives like grandparents and aunts and uncles will also take part. And it always in our experience has taken part place at the same day as the ceremony and reception usually is like right before like the first look even because like there's going to be another dress change, which we will get to. Um, there's also envelopes exchanged. I don't know if that's a traditional thing or just something that we've always seen where like the tea will be given and like a gift will be given to like the couple. But yeah, pretty fun. Pretty fun. And the question that's always come up is like what kind of tea is used and it's always up to the preference of the families or the couple as to what kind of tea is used. Um, and then in terms of cups, just make sure you have a lot of cups because like, it's awkward to make everybody use the same cup, especially because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Cause most tea sets only come with like what, four or six cups. So definitely have more cups. Um, so I know I mentioned another tradition, which is multiple outfit changes. Um, so we've seen this mostly at, um, Chinese weddings and, you know, I'm not even really sure where the tradition comes from. Um, but I do know that, like, if you're doing, um, a tr- like, it used to be, like, 30 outfits. Jesus. I know. <laughs> I feel like you'd just be, like, changing the whole time. <laughs> so, but now it's down to, like, maybe two or four changes. So, usually it's a dress for the tea ceremony, the wedding ceremony, and then a dress or more for the reception. <laughs> It's still a lot of outfit changes. It is a lot of outfit changes. But do you remember the wedding that we did where she had like that, that massive train on her dress mm-hmm. with all the flowers applique onto it? Like, OMG. And I think that wedding too, she had like a different hairstyle for every outfit too, which I'd never seen before. But like. Yeah. And she had four. Three. Oh, three. Yeah. She had four. Oh, no, wait, you're right. She did. She had a getaway dress. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just like amazed that there was also like, we were also building in like hair changes into the timeline as well as the outfit changes. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. I think she had a great time. I hope she did. So now we're going to move to a different part of the world. Um, we're going to move to, um, Sweden and Danish tradition. And I might, Screw this up. Maybe you want to take a stab at it. Oh, this was the one you were saying. The wedding cake. Yeah. No, <laughs> see, I can say it if I hear it first, but I'm okay. Here. So yeah. anyone who's listening to this, who's Danish or Swedish, please forgive us. But I think it's kransakaka, kransakake, kransakaka. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um, we saw this at a wedding a few years ago. It's a cake that is made with layers of iced almond cake rings. And it gets all stacked up in like a cone. So like basically like it's the biggest 
ring on the bottom and then it goes all the way up to the smallest and then instead of cutting the cake the couple will grab the very top layer off the cake and whatever number of rings um, that stick to the top layer as they lift it are going to be the number of kids they will have Oh, wow. I know. And the wedding that we saw this at, they lifted it up, and I think they had, like, four rings attached to the top one. Um, and they've already had one baby. So oh, congratulations. congratulations. <laughs> Jinx. You want me a Coke? Coke. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> but, yes, they're on their way to the, the four children. <laughs> they've started their journey. Um, we're going to stick to Sweden for a little bit longer. There's also a tradition called stealing a kiss. Can you guess what that means? <laughs> that, no, no, not exactly. Um, stealing a kiss is a, basically what happens is that whenever somebody in the, the marriage couple um, leaves the room, uh, then everybody gets to steal a kiss from that person that's left of the couple. Gotcha. I'm trying to make sure that this is like very inclusive language. Okay. So bear with me. (laughs) So basically if they're with like, I left the room, um, all of the, the women could try to like steal a kiss from you guys too. Um, and if like I stayed or you left the room, it'd be the same thing. Gotcha. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure where this tradition comes from. So if anyone out there is listening, please let me know. Cause I tried finding out why this happens, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And it, but it happened at the same wedding that we did, um, with the, the cake and the rings. Yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go on a trip now to India. <laughs> <laughs> So this tradition is the Mendi party. Um, it's a pre-wedding event for the bride and her closest female friends and family members. Of course, you can have guys there now. Traditionally, you wouldn't. Um, but basically, Mendi has been used as a form of body art for thousands of years. And it is made out of henna, which basically stains the skin. And it's a part of a ritual for the beautification of the bride from head to toe at the time of her wedding. Um, it's usually done the day before, and it's said traditionally that the darker the stain, the more love the bride will receive from her husband and her in-laws. Yours must have been pretty dark. Mine was pretty dark. (laughs) Um, and I should have used this as an excuse afterwards because I had no idea. Brides were also told that they shouldn't do any housework for as long as the stain lasts, which can be up to two to three weeks if natural henna is used. Like, I could have milked that. You could have. I, I wish you I'd known. I tried. wish I'd known. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> So we're going to go now to Iran. Um, this can also be considered Persian tradition. It's called a Sofria God. And we got to see this actually be created for a wedding a couple years ago. And uh, it's basically a traditional wedding ceremony spread um, where the legal mar- marriage and ceremonial traditions are exchanged. So it's at the same time. It's not separate from your legal ceremony at all. It's been around for thousands of years and 
basically there can be, I think anywhere from like 19 or more items, depending on the couple. And each item is going to represent something for the couple's future. I won't go through all of them, but like some of them, for example, is that there's a mirror and it represents bringing light and brightness into the future for the married couple. And traditionally the couple will look at the mirror together. There will also be candles and a candelabra, which are going to symbolize energy and clarity in the couple's life together. And this was pretty cute. It's honey, which is consumed right as the ceremony is going to conclude. And basically the one that we saw it at, um, the mother of the bride actually came up with the honey and offered it to the couple and they used their pinkies to like dip a little bit in and give it to each other. Aww, that's yeah. Sweet. And it's supposed to represent sweetness, obviously. Oh, obviously. Obviously. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, this one we haven't gotten to experience, but it's the nuptial cups from Japan. Um, we did have a Japanese Canadian wedding, which was great. Um, and a traditional, I just found this tradition while I was doing my research. So instead of vows, the couple will drink sake three times each from three different cups. And next the parents take sips, which represents sealing the bond between the two families. And apparently each person has to take three sips from each of the cups because each of the sips means something particular. So the first three represent the three couples. The second three sips represent hatred, passion, and ignorance. I know, I know, wait. <laughs> the last three sips represent freedom from those three flaws. Bringing it around. <laughs> so yeah, like, and the reason it's nine altogether is because nine is considered a lucky number in Japanese culture. I also found out that, like, in Japanese receptions, apparently, like, they break open, like, a a cask, is that the right word? Yeah. Of sake. And, like, everyone just, like, drinks it. That's a lot of wine. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I don't even know how big a cask of sake would be. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Because it's, it's the same size as a cask of wine. And I think it's, like, the equivalent... To, I want to say between 60 and 120 bottles. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So somebody's taking some sake home at the end of the night. For sure. For sure. Um, we're going to go to the Celtic and Scottish region now and talk about wedding bells. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a tradition that can be traced back to Scotland, obviously, um, where it was believed that the ringing of church bells would ward off evil spirits and grant wishes. Double duty bell ringing. Um, they were, of course, first rung in the churches to announce the newlyweds, but now people are passing out small bells to their guests to ring, either as the couple exits the church or wherever they're having their ceremony or during the reception as an encouragement to kiss instead of clinking wine glasses. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. I wonder if that would get annoying though. Like clinking wine glasses did for a bit. I don't know. I think you can have a lot of fun with bells. 
Yeah, I could, but I do remember that there was like a time where no one wanted clinking glasses at their wedding. Absolutely no one. So we'd always have to do like wedding bingo or, um, the shoe game, the shoe game or like something different because everyone was like, no, I absolutely will not stand for clinking. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think we're coming around from that. Now I think people are like, no, it's fine. Everyone can clink their glasses, but you know what? Bells. I like it. Yeah. So we're going to make our way back now to, since we're in the same area to England. So this is the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, sixpence in the shoe, which everyone always forgets that last one. Um, so I don't think you can find pence anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it has to be sixpence. I think it can just be like a coin. It would be six pennies then. You can't really find pennies either. Exactly. I think it just needs to be a coin, like a one coin. Because could you imagine six pennies rolling around in your shoe? That'd be so uncomfortable. <laughs> but maybe noisy. Yeah. Yeah. So if this is all for good luck and you're supposed to carry it somewhere in your wedding outfit, um, it's specifically for the bride, but I feel like anyone could do it really. I don't think it needs to be just the bride. No. No. So something old and something blue was to ward off the evil eye. They've got something about the evil eye in England and Scotland going on. <laughs> um, and then the sixpence was to bring positivity and same thing with um, something new. And then something borrowed was to bring luck. Oh. Yeah. I've seen like really cool versions of this. Like we had somebody do um, like blue tulle in her dress for the something blue. Um, we've also had like people like sew in like a coin into like their dress as well. Um, I've also seen people do like the bottoms of their shoes blue. There's like lots of things. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of things. I just wore a blue suit. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. I just thought it would look nice. Um, and a couple other traditions that I'm just thinking of now are also, um, for, from Jewish weddings, which I think are a lot of fun. Um, there is a pre-ceremony before the actual wedding that happens and it basically, it's like to sign like a wedding contract. And from what I understand, um, this is done also because I believe in part of the Bible, anyone who's listening to this, I might get this wrong, that there was a a person who didn't like check the identity of the person that they were about to marry and ended up marrying the wrong person. So that's why now there is like a pre-ceremony now for Jewish weddings. Yeah. Yeah. And also the veil thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and also the veil thing in some parts is again, known to ward off evil spirits. Ah. <laughs> Got to make sure you don't have those evil spirits. I know, right? There's a lot around evil spirits. Like the bridesmaids used to wear all white in England, um, the same as the bride, so that the evil spirits would get confused and not know which one to steal. Ah. <laughs> yeah, these evil spirits apparently can be tricked very easily. <laughs> Veils, same dress, you know. Yeah, but they kind of do still do that in, um, when you see like the royal weddings, they still do that. 
Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. They hold fast to those traditions? Yeah, like, cause, like you'll see, like, all of the flower girls and the ring bearers are all, are all or sorry, not the, the ring bearers, but the flower girls are all in white and, like, attendants. Like, for example, when Kate Middleton got married, her sister Pippa was also in white. So, like, they still do stick to that kind of tradition. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Are there any traditions that you want to share? Uh, From around the world that you've witnessed? <laughs> Putting you on the spot here. You are. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been to that many weddings. Um, yeah, none that I can really think of. Like no, Nothing that we've already covered. Yeah, nothing. Haven't that, already covered. Nothing that we haven't already covered. I mean, most of the weddings that I've been to have been very traditional, like Anglo-Saxon traditional weddings. So, and they're lots of fun, but mm-hmm. nothing out of the ordinary. But you do, I also want to add to like, even though these are wedding traditions from around the world, like they're, so these and some of these things are not being, um, followed through with anymore. People are replacing them with their own traditions, which I think is also really fun. Um, and some people are also incorporating traditions from places that they've been around the world, but maybe like they have, like they grew up in like Canada or like England or something and don't really relate with the traditions from those cultures, like, uh, garter toss, bouquet toss, those kinds of things. So yeah, I'm definitely seeing like a lot of more cultural influence coming in as well. I like the fact that people are kind of creating their own traditions and steering away from very archaic traditions. Yes, because you can only ward off so many evil spirits. Yeah. Yeah, so that is it for us today. It's a nice, short, and sweet episode. And we are super excited for next week where we talk to Megan from the Gardens of the Horticultural Pacific Center and uh, all about her role as well as how you can make your wedding sustainable. In the meantime, stay rad.